One of my heroes is a man called William Wilberforce. He was born in our city, the city of Hull, in 1759. He didn't grow up following Jesus, but from a young age, he was committed and passionate about making a difference in the world. He was hungry to do something worthwhile. He entered politics young, and at the age of just 21, he became the MP for Hull. His life was turned upside down just a few years later when he encountered Jesus. The natural desires and hunger that he had to make a difference and to bring hope and transformation to culture took on a new vitality as the breath of God began to move upon his life. He was hungry for more and the Holy Spirit called him and beckoned him into a new future. Two years after giving his life to Christ, he came face to face with the cause that would arguably define the rest of his days, the cause that he would pursue passionately. And this cause was, of course, the abolition of slavery. It would occupy his mind and heart and life for years to come. This is what William Wilberforce says about the horrors of slavery. He says this, so enormous, so dreadful, so irremediable did the slave trade's wickedness appear that my own mind was completely made up for abolition. Let the consequences be what they would. I, from this time, determined that I would never rest until I had effected its abolition. I love that. I would never rest until I had effected its abolition. Guys, I believe that God is looking for a people who will never rest. Let the consequences be what they will be. I will pursue what God has for me to the end. What I love most about Wilberforce is that he was a man on a mission. He was a man so consumed, so compelled, so devoured by his call that he would give his life to see it fulfilled. He was a man who was fully awake to the mission that God had placed upon him. As a church right now, we're in a series called The Awakened Church. We're exploring what it means to be fully awake in our time in this strange season, looking through the book of Acts. And we're talking about this because we believe that a church alive leads to a city alive. A church awake leads to a city alive. And today I wanna to talk about what it means to be awake to mission, awake to the call of God on our church and on our lives. Wilberforce was wide awake to his mission. So let me start by asking you a question. What occupies your mind and your heart and your dreams the most? What is that thing that you would lay down your lives to see? If you are a follower of Jesus, you are part of God's incredible story to redeem and restore the whole world. There is a mission. There is a destiny that God has placed on your life that he has imprinted into the cells of your body when you said yes to Jesus. And this call is to partner with the creator of the universe to invite your world into a relationship with him. One of the things that I oversee in our church life is outreach mission and some of our compassion stuff. And I've noticed a real shift in the way we're thinking about mission in this season that we're in. See, mission right now has become less about filling a church building and more about bringing life and hope to our city. 
We've been released from the efforts, as it were, of building church, which actually is Jesus's job. And we have been propelled into extending the kingdom of God in our time in greater intensity. It's less, it's less about people in a building and far more about the transformation of culture. It's not about church as an experience, but it's about being the church a grassroots movement of Jesus followers scattered into their local communities, bringing hope and peace and justice and healing and joy and freedom to anyone and everyone we bump into. It's not about half an hour worship once a week. It's about 24-7 lives laid on the altar, surrendered entirely to Jesus the King, saying, God, I will do whatever you want. It's not about creating a comfortable environment to grow old in, but it's about the relentless pursuit of giving our days away. It's about creating a supernatural environment where God can move. It's about taking risks and kingdom generosity. It's about having our eyes wide open to the inbreaking of the kingdom and having hearts postured to say, yes, Lord, I'm in. Whatever it looks like, whatever it takes, in my time, bring revival. See, our mission, church, has always been the same. But I wonder if during this season we are becoming more awake to what it looks like, more awake to the true core of that mission. During the lockdown, I don't know about you, but I've personally experienced a shaking and an awakening. A lot of the things which have maybe consumed my vision and taken me to a place of distraction instead of attention, I think have been shaken somewhat. And God is awakening my heart and soul to the things which I'm really called to first and foremost. Maybe the biggest thing that's been shaken from my life is my trips to McDonald's. Um, I've not had a case of the uh, McGrets um, since well before lockdown and I've missed it massively. Another idol which I would say has been um, unbelievably broken over my life in the last few months has been football. Uh, many of you will know uh, I'm a Man United fan. I'm, I'm, I'm a diehard United fan. I, I love them. Um, but not only did I go for three months without watching football or thinking really about football, um, but then Liverpool won the league. And um, the idol, let me just say, has been well and truly smashed for me. So uh, <laughs> back in the day, I don't know if you remember when there were cassette tapes. If you're anything younger than like 25, you won't know what I'm talking about. But um, we had some cassette tapes in our car and there was a, a cassette tape that we would listen to on repeat. And it was by a guy called Keith Green. I wonder if you remember Keith Green. Keith Green was a songwriter, musician, incredibly prophetic guy, pastor, and he was around uh, the vineyard back in the early days. And we had this cassette tape that we would listen to on repeat. And there was a song that even from the age of maybe eight, I remember being kind of, there was something about this song which I found incredibly powerful and it was called Asleep in the Light. And it was this prophetic call to the church to wake up from our slumber we who have tasted and seen God's goodness and kindness and love and yet have gone to sleep in a world which so desperately needs to hear about it. And there's this line that I'll never forget. And it says this in the song, he, that's Jesus, Jesus brings people to your door and you turn them away while you smile and say, God bless you, be at peace. And all of heaven just weeps. 
And I always found that powerful. It was this incredibly prophetic call for the church to wake up to our mission. And actually, I think that in the season that we're in of lockdown, um, even as we move out of it, God is awakening the church again to mission. As we've been looking through the book of Acts, we can see, which is really all about the life and the explosion of the early church, we can see that mission, that the call to take the good news of the gospel to the nations was at the very centre of the early church. See, for the early church, mission wasn't just a ministry that the church did, that just a handful of people did, like maybe that group runs an alpha, or we go out into the streets every couple of weeks and do giveaways, both of which are brilliant. But actually the mission of the church to transform culture and take the gospel to the nations was actually the reason that they existed. Mission was written into the DNA of the early church. It was in the underlying fabric of what made the church church. Mission was at the center of their purpose. And as they began to press into their mission, as they lived in radical community and were unbelievably generous and prayed and sought the Lord and, and pressed into the supernatural, God moved in remarkable ways. They were on mission 24-7. And in this season, we have sought to become like that. We've sought to serve our city in greater measure than ever before. We've sought to reach more people than ever before. We've sought to forge more city partnerships, city changing partnerships than ever before. We have discovered as we have done that, that the power of the gospel is just as stunning and potent today as it has ever been. I've just finished running an alpha with a team, Alpha Online. We've never really done Alpha Online, so this has been quite a new thing for us. But we have seen, just running Alpha, the incredible reality of the gospel impacting people's lives. Two people on our course who have just finished currently live in Bath and discovered us on social media. Now, geography is not an issue for Alpha anymore because we're online, which is such a gift. One lady on our Alpha used to be a white witch and was heavily involved in occult practices. We had a former soldier, a student, a social worker, a teacher, and every single one of them gave their lives to Jesus last week, either for the first time or as a recommitment. Isn't that incredible? I love it. It was this earth-shattering reminder that God is still about his business and he is inviting the church to partner with him in bringing hope to the world. This is our mission. This is our call. It's so good. So what does it look like to live fully awake to our mission in this season? I've got three verses that I want to draw your attention to in Acts chapter 20. We're jumping on a little bit, which I think paints a picture of life abandoned to the mission. And this is Paul that's saying these words. Paul um, planted a church in Ephesus. He planted many churches. But this is kind of his final farewell to some of his amazing friends who he'd done the journey with in the church in Ephesus. He's saying goodbye. It's about to get emotional. And he says these three lines, which I've been thinking about and meditating on for a long time. He knows he will never see these people again. And this is what he says. He says, and now, he's explaining why he must go. He said, now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to leave. I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. 
I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. This final verse is one verse I really want us to hang everything on today, a model for living awake to our mission. I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to me, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Let me just highlight three hallmarks of a life awake to our mission from these verses. Firstly, a life awake to our mission starts with a reimagining of values, a reimagining of values. Listen to what Paul says. He says, I do not account my life of any value. Think about that. Isn't that crazy? I do not account my life of any value nor precious to me. He is a man abandoned to his mission. He's not allowing anything to hold him back, just like Wilberforce. Let the consequences be what they will. No matter what hate, no matter what persecution I get, I'm running my race. I'm fighting the good fight because that is what I'm called to do. Values are the things that you believe are of utmost importance in your life. Values are the things that you hang your life upon. I wonder what you value. Many people value a great education, a nice car, and maybe a big house or success, or they're looking good on social media or, or um, what people think about them. Some of those things are not bad at all, but here's the thing, what you value most determines the direction of your destiny. What you value most determines the direction of your destiny. If you wanna change the world, if we want to change the world and see revival, renewal, a new renaissance come to our city, in our time, in our nation, just like Paul, I think we need um, to shift what we place ultimate value in our lives. When Wilberforce saw the horrors of slavery, his value system changed. No longer did he value comfort or ease, but he valued freedom of humanity above and beyond everything. And his values determined his mission. Paul's greatest value shifted from his life to the glory and renown of Jesus. He had surrendered, he had counted as lost everything he used to think was important. He used to think was valuable so Jesus could take hold of his life. When we lower what we value to cling on to comfort or maybe material goods or worldly success, I wonder if we'll miss out on the incredible mission that God has for us. When our, when our hands are so tightly wrapped around some of those things, I think it's hard for us to step into the stunning future that God has for us. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom. Don't worry about all the other stuff. Seek first the kingdom and I'll take care of the rest. He says, let your highest value be pursuing the kingdom of God here on earth. Paul says, I don't hold my life of value. We all have values at times. Uh, I think if we're honest, we all have things that we're holding on to. I know I do, that we would maybe struggle to let go of or struggle to surrender or struggle to give up to God. Many things are not wrong, but I think if we cling too tightly, we can miss the wild adventure that God has for us in our city. 
Paul was living and breathing with a wild, wide open life, holding nothing back from God, willing to be mocked, scorned, persecuted or killed for this cause. This is being awake to our mission. So we need a reimagining of values. And then that always leads to a reorganization of priorities. Our values in life determine our priorities. Paul says, my only job is to finish my course and the ministry I've received. He says, now I do not hold my life of value. How I'm going to spend my life changes. My only job is to finish my race and to finish the job and the mission that God has given me. In other words, it's not just my values which have been realigned, but also my priorities, how I, have spend my, how I spend my days, what I am awake to in every moment. I believe that God has plans, purposes, unique things, divine assignments for you, for me, every single day, people to love, people to serve, people to share Jesus with. We are called, church, to be architects of hope in our time. We are called to be builders of joy. And actually, I think this starts really simply. It looks like having eyes wide open to what God might be doing in ordinary moments. It looks like living life, doing what's in front of you, representing Jesus, working hard, raising kids, loving your spouse, being fun, having uh, generosity, the whole time saying, God, what are you doing? What are you saying? Having space to be interrupted or inconvenienced, being willing to look silly, being up for sending a text saying, hey, I'm going to Alpha, would you like to join me? Offering a prayer, name dropping Jesus, gossiping the gospel over the garden fence, as Ellie Mumford always says, sharing your story, giving a word of encouragement to people. And actually, we've been hearing so many stories about how you guys have been doing all these things over the last couple of months during lockdown. It's been incredible to see how many people have been shared Jesus with or thousands have been fed. So many have been cared for because of your kindness and generosity. Our priorities have been reorganized. But let's be open to whatever God wants to do as we move forward. And after a reorganization of priorities in, in Paul's verse, we see um, a resolve to do the one thing. Paul says, this is the one thing I'm spending the rest of my life for, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. You've probably heard the phrase um, saying about someone, they're, they're a jack of all trades, but a master of none. And if you've not, it's this kind of idea that someone can be quite good at a lot of things, but not great at anything. But actually, I read recently that um, that phrase had been kind of twisted or, or disorientated or misquoted um, from the original. The original saying was that you'd be a jack of all trades, but a master of one. You could do lots of different things, but there was one thing that you were giving your life for. You might have had many gifts and talents and dreams and ideas, but there was one thing that you were emptying yourself for. Church, I, I believe that we've got to come back once again to that one thing, which is our mission. Our call to never rest, no matter what the consequences are, until we see a hurting humanity experience hope in Jesus. I love that in this verse, Paul says that it is the gospel of grace to which he testifies. Grace is at the centre of the gospel. Grace is the scandalous, unconditional, unearned, undeserved, 
undeserved, unmerited love that God has for you and for me. It's available if you want it. And if you're watching this and you don't follow Jesus, let me just say that it is on offer for you right now. His love is for you. It's chasing you down. It's pursuing you. And it's inviting you into a life you wouldn't even believe. A life where you get free from your past, uh, a present help in your present and eternal hope for your future. You get forgiveness from the past and a promise for the world to come. And so church, as we think about what it means to be awake, I, I hope that we consider being awake to our mission. I hope we consider what it means to be present and awake to the call that God has placed on our life to take the gospel to the nations, to be present to the outer edges of the world, but also to our next door neighbour and live lives of courage and kindness, generosity and hope, bringing freedom, love and the good news of Jesus to everyone we meet. Church, I miss you. I love you. And uh, I want to hear some stories about how God is using you. I'm just loving what God is doing already. And as we kind of continue the journey through the book of Acts and become even more awake, uh, I cannot wait to hear about what God does. Thank you.